When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The world of golf is reeling. It all began with the launch of a new tournament, LIV or Live Golf, which snapped up some of the best players in the world and shook up the sport with a level of money and glitz it had never seen before. Welcome to Live 2023, our first official full league season. From the end of February till November, we'll play for individual and team titles in 14 events around the world. But Live Golf has been controversial. Not only did it rattle the golf purists who hate the new format, but it's also been criticised because of its owners, Saudi Arabia, and their human rights record. Speculation is growing about the fate of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi after he walked into the Saudi consulate in Istanbul and seemingly walked off the face of the earth. Shortly after arriving, he was killed. U.S. intelligence believes Saudi Arabia's de facto ruler, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, was complicit in the killing, something the Saudis have denied. Is this another example of sports washing? The old guardians of golf, the American PGA Tour, and many of its most famous players have been up in arms, and a bitter civil war has divided the sport. Until... Two weeks ago. Welcome back. Some uh, interesting news in the world of golf that may uh, resonate far beyond it to share with you uh, this morning. A shock announcement stunned both the sporting and business worlds. The PGA Tour and its Saudi-backed competitor Live Golf, uh, along with Europe's DP World Tour, have agreed to merge. After months of a furious public feud, the tournaments have agreed to merge. Saudi Arabia, who were the outsiders, are now at the centre of the sport. As the dust settles on that announcement, what do we now know about what was happening behind the scenes and what this deal is really about? Money talks. And you know what? It's more than that. It screams and everybody somehow is listening. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, has Saudi Arabia bought up golf? I have to confess, I am a complete novice at this. This is, this is not my area of expertise. What I will try to do is I will try to explain it to you as I would try to explain it to a group of people in a bar. Perfect. I'm David Walsh, Chief Sports Writer at the Sunday Times. 
David, take us back to before this whole live saga began. How did men's golf actually operate? Male elite golf basically had a number of tours. You have a, a European tour. So so the best European players would play on the European tour. And then you had the PGA tour, which was the American equivalent. And because golf is such a huge, I would say, sport dash industry in the US, the PGA tour became the biggest, most wealthy tour in the world. And the best European players increasingly started to gravitate to the PGA Tour. So the American Tour grew to be the commercial giant that it is, becoming the dominant world tour. And the PGA Tour of America has a strategic alliance with our European Tour, which is known as the DP World Tour. So the PGA Tour is clearly the biggest tournament in the world. And then, last year, there's this disruption, a new competition emerges that's challenging all of the the old ones. Live. Just tell us a bit about that. How different was it? The reason why it was different, Manveen, is because the people supporting the Live Tour, Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, had access to, relatively speaking, unlimited wealth. And what they did was they just went for the biggest players and said, look, if you were to join our tour and commit to four years, we'll give you $200 million. A lot of money. And if you're Phil Mickelson and you're now in your early 50s and you're still a really good player, one of the best in the world, you think, uh, could I do with $200 million? Now, yes, I could. I believe that Live Golf is going to do a lot of good for the game as well. Um, And I'm excited about this opportunity. That's why I'm here. So Liv started picking off some elite golfers, household names in golf. And the PGA Tour knew at that point that it had a problem. And if you play for one, you can't play for the other. Exactly. You're ruling yourself out. And... Was the golf itself, was the tournament itself very different to the PGA? Yes. Liv had this idea that they were going to basically take golf out of its kind of staid traditional ways in relation to tournament play. And we're going to have music and we're going to be less formal in the way the players dress. They will be allowed to wear shorts. We'll jazz it up, basically. Different world. And we'll create a team element where all the players will be in a team and the teams will be vying against each other. And, of course, we're going to give extraordinary prize money, $24 million every single tournament. Wow. Which was huge when that news came out. And everybody said, OK, that, that sounds interesting. But the Americans and Liv had been at loggerheads and they seemed like diametrically opposed to each other. They were diametrically opposed to each other and very, very public about their opposition. Until, very suddenly, earlier this month, they shocked the world by announcing a deal. Now, this is uh, potentially huge breaking news just reaching us because the PGA Tour have agreed to merge with the rival Live Golf. 
David, this announcement came out of the blue. Where were you when you heard the news and, and what did you think? I was away actually visiting my sister in Bermuda and my brother-in-law said to me, have you heard the news about Liv, the Saudi Arabia-backed golf tour merging with the PGA Tour, PGA Tour being the most important tour in the world? And I said, no, no, that, that just couldn't be. And he said, it is. It's huge news. And then, of course, you look it up and there it was. And the initial sense was complete and utter shock. And that's just me as a, as a golf fan, as a journalist. But what was even more remarkable is that the people we would have regarded as being very much on the inside, the Tiger Woodses, the Rory McIlroy's, the John Rams, the very best players in the world, they were as shocked as we were. They knew virtually as little about this deal that had been in the making for a, at the very least a number of weeks, possibly a few months. All the negotiations had been conducted in a hugely secretive way. So for them to come together was really shocking news at the time. Tell us, what exactly is this deal? I mean, explain why this decision was so controversial, why so many players felt so betrayed. When Live Golf, which basically was being funded by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, when Live became a threat early last year and it started trying to recruit players, an advocacy group in the US, Families United, that exists to basically keep reminding us of the appalling atrocity that took place on 9-11, were in touch with the PGA Tour and basically said, in our eyes, a great American institution like golf should not be allowing Saudi Arabia-backed live tour to become you know, a big player in a much-loved American sport. And the PGA Tour were saying, yes, we agree. Um, Rory McIlroy, at the very early stages of this, when this idea of a rival tour was in the air and people were talking about huge money from Saudi Arabia, Rory said, I don't like where the money is coming from. As a golfer and an independent contractor, I didn't like the sound of that. Didn't really like where the money was coming from either. And uh, I'm, you know, I wanted to, to be the first one to, to speak out against it. The PGA Tour then, its top officials, Jay Monahan, its chief executive, they lobbied senators in the US and said, look, these guys are coming in trying to kind of muscle in on our great institution of golf in the US and we want to keep them out. And the politicians were saying, yeah, we don't want Saudi Arabia controlling American golf. Is this another attempt at sports washing? Yes, and, and most people kind of accept that it is in the same way that the Saudis getting involved in, in Newcastle United. Is that sports washing? Yeah, it probably is. They're involved in many, many sports and they're investing huge amounts of money. And most people see it as sports washing for sure. And you mentioned the fund that is able to throw so much money at the live version of golf. We know it's a Saudi investment fund. Just just explain how closely aligned is that to the state? Is it basically the Saudi government? It is absolutely the Saudi government. The chairman is Mohammed bin Salman. The crown prince. Who's basically the boss in Saudi Arabia. 
So everything that that fund does is with his say-so and his approval. And when Liv came along, you know, you mentioned that some players did sign up to it. They left the PGA and they went and joined up. Obviously, they were offering a lot of money, but what were they saying about it at the time? How did they defend their choice? This was a real source of controversy at the time because a lot of the players who were signing up were saying they were signing up because they wanted to grow the game. They thought this new tour would offer a different golfing culture and it would bring new fans in. And us kind of golf fans are looking at the guys and say, please, guys, just tell the truth. You joined because you were offered a huge amount of money. And David, you mentioned that some players like Rory McIlroy and, you know, even I've heard of him, had turned it down. Just tell us a bit about Rory as a character. What was it about him that made him think, I wouldn't take the money? I think Rory is a very principled, ethical guy who tries to do the right thing. He's very honest when he talks about his motivations he will say things that kind of get him in trouble. I still hate live. Like, I hate live. Like, I, I hope it goes away. He was just one of those players who, you know, almost took a moral stance. Mm. And that's unusual in professional sport, it should be said. But he took that stance and then he wanted to be a leader within the PGA Tour to say to the guys who might have been wavering, stick with us. We're going to get a better deal for the top players on the PGA Tour. And Rory, of course, had a great ally and a tremendous support from basically the king of all golf, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods' career may be kind of fading out to an end now because of his awful injuries. But Tiger really took on the leadership role with Rory. The players who have chosen to go to live and, and to play there, I disagree with it. I think that uh, what they've done is they've, they've turned our, their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. And they drove the movement within the PGA Tour for the best players to remain loyal. There's no doubt that if Liv could have had Tiger Woods, that would have been a game changer for them. Everybody would want to watch him. But Tiger said no, and he, he stayed with the PGA Tour, and advised all the other top pros to stay with them. And he turned down an astonishing sum of money to do it. Yeah, people said it was just slightly less than a billion dollars. And for the PGA and DP tours, I mean, what was their line on this? When the PGA Tour was fighting against Liv in the early stages, they used the where the money is coming from argument. No doubt about that. Was that sincere or was that weaponizing the moral stance to make their position stronger? I absolutely believe the latter. Would you just be able to sort of spell out a bit of what they said that moral objection was? It was always cloaked in kind of vague references to it. Jay Monahan, the PGA chief executive, was asked about the campaign by Families United, the 9-11 advocacy group, who were really campaigning against Saudi Arabia money coming into golf. And Jay Monan was asked about this. And he didn't say, you know, I totally agree we shouldn't take money from Saudi Arabia. What he said was, yes, I can understand where Families United are coming from. 
I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. And as it relates to the families of 9-11, uh, I have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones. And so my heart goes out to them. Now, without saying it in the starkest terms, that seemed to indicate that Jay Monahan, chief executive of the PGA Tour, would never touch Saudi Arabia money because he personally knew families who'd lost loved ones. And David, as the golf world splits, as these two suddenly entirely separate tours start and players who used to play alongside each other are now divided between these two camps, what did the players who had joined live? What did they say about you know, the morality of, of working with the Saudis? Were they ever questioned about the human rights record or anything like that? Yes, there were, and, th- and their answers were awful, really. If Vladimir Putin had a, a tournament, would, would you play there? That's speculation. I'm not even going to comment on speculation. So, just in a generality, is there any way you wouldn't play on a moral basis? If the money was right, is there any way you wouldn't play? I, d- I don't need to answer that question. Sorry? I don't need to answer that question. Not many of the players have what you would call a complete understanding of what's going on in Saudi Arabia. And their stock answer was, our governments are continuing to do business with Saudi Arabia. Why should we be prohibited from conducting our business with them as well? And there's legitimacy in that argument. But sport is very visible. It's very high profile. It's very prestigious. And people feel almost that the rules should be different for sport. Coming up, as the splits between the two sides deepened, the arguments ended up in court. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. David, you end up with the world of golf effectively very acrimoniously split. The players are split, the tournaments are split, 
And all of this ends up in court. Just tell us about that. How did this all evolve into a huge legal battle? The biggest problem for the players who went to live was the PGA Tour and the world bodies that control the world rankings said, that's not how we play for the world rankings. So the players who've gone to live, they're playing tournaments on the live tour, but they're not getting world ranking points. And every week their ranking is dropping. And soon they won't be able to play in golf's four majors. Mm. Now that's a major problem. So the live players are going to be saying to their bosses at live, we need to challenge this because this isn't right. Our careers are now being damaged by being members of the Live Tour. So Live launched its lawsuit against the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour said it would fight it. And the case threatened to run for four or five years. And in no time, it was costing tens of millions. Wow. And that became the biggest problem for the PGA Tour. Because in its attempt to combat the threat of live golf, the PGA Tour had to up its prize money. It also, to get the European Tour, now called the DP World Tour, on its side, the PGA Tour basically got in touch with the European Tour and said, let's form a strategic alliance. We'll give you 100 million if you join with us to stave off the possibility of the European Tour joining Live. Mm. You know, they may have committed well over another 100 million in increased prize money. And now they've got this legal case that's absolutely burning money. Yeah. And in the background, the Department of Justice in the US, pre-Live, have had reservations about PGA Tours and the fact that it seems to be running a monopoly, which they really don't like in the US. Yeah. There is no competition in the golf world in America. No competition and no yeah. competition is allowed to emerge. So they were being investigated on that antitrust. And of course, when the live thing comes along, that investigation gains momentum because the Department of Justice is saying, well, here's a rival tour and the PGA Tour is doing everything in its power to crush it. Yeah. So the PGA Tour had the legal action to deal with but it also had an investigation into its own kind of modus operandi. So, David, I can see how the problems for the PGA are just, just adding up. You've got the soaring costs they're having to pay, the dwindling funds. You've got the legal problems in court. You've got the legal problems with the Department of Justice. They're clearly under a lot of pressure. And then suddenly, this deal is announced. What do we now know about how this agreement came about? I mean, how did they get to a point where they suddenly turned around and offered a, an olive branch? My feeling is that two members of the board of the PGA Tour, Chairman Ed Hurley and a co-chairman Jimmy Dunn. And Jimmy Dunn had a financial business. He had his offices in the Twin Towers. And many of his colleagues were killed and it became a defining moment in his life. He is one of the two people who went to live and said, we need to talk. And they got talking and 
basically what Don and Hurley he saw when they looked at the PGA Tourist books was a model that just wasn't going to survive the way money was disappearing mm. and not being matched by the money coming in. So Don and Hurley he decided that a deal had to be done. What was in this for the PIF, who were basically funding Live Golf, was they were now forming an alliance with basically the institutional entity in golf that control golf, the PGA Tour. And if you were sitting at the PGA table, you suddenly had become a big player in world golf. And that opens you up to all of the PGA Tour sponsors, which are going to be the biggest sponsors in world sport. And it gives you access to a world that can significantly affect your business. So PIF were interested in what Don and Hurley were offering. Reportedly, they've committed to put in an initial $2 billion. And for that, they get 20%. And the chair will be the PIF's representative, Yasmir Al-Ramayan. That's enough for the PIF to think we've done well here. The PGA Tour are now explaining it in terms of financial necessity. But so much needs to be sorted out on this. How the PGA Tour deals with this is going to be extremely interesting to watch. I mean, I was thinking about Rory McIlroy's situation. He once said that he didn't like where the money was coming from. Now you have a situation where Rory's tour has jumped ship and done this alliance with Live Golf, with PIF. So what does Rory do? When, and in one way or another, he will be getting money from the place he said he didn't want them. Want exactly. Them I mean, if you were in Rory's position, you said you didn't like where the money is coming from. And then three years later, you're offered $200 million compensation. Yeah. Do you still say, I don't like where the money is coming from? Oh, it's hard. It's incredibly difficult. Some problems, I suppose, you might like to have. <laughs> Um, some people have said, you know, talking about this big disruption, talking about those sums and the awkwardness, the moral problems everyone's facing, people have said this is effectively Saudi Arabia coming in and just buying up golf, buying up the entire sport. What do you make of that? Well, that was said in the immediate aftermath of the announcement, and I thought it was a reasonable thing to say. And then I thought about it and I thought, well... They've paid for 20% of it. Mm. So what exactly does 20% mean? I think what the 20% stake means is they've got a seat at the table. And when things are being discussed at the table and perhaps new investment is needed, well, the PIF is in a position then to increase its investment because it's sitting at the table the new entity has already taken maybe $2 billion of its money. Why would it turn its nose up at another $2 billion? And of course, with the second $2 billion comes an increased stake. And could it be that the PIF will become the major player at that table, even though it's only got 20% now, some point in the future? Of course. Money talks. 
And you know what? It, it's it's more than that. It screams, and and everybody somehow is listening, and and basing their decisions on on what the money is telling them. And David, for the Saudis, what's their argument? Why do they say they want to they want to have this investment? Why do they say they want to be able to control part of the world of golf? It's always more nuanced than we believe, and it's absolutely true that Yasmir Al-Ramayan, the new chair of this new entity, he loves golf, genuinely loves golf. Mm. And they're thinking about all their investments around the world and their $700 billion fund, and they want to maximize the effectiveness of all their investments. And they're thinking that if we sit at this table in golf, a sport we love, uh, our influence and our ability to take care of our investments is increased by the world that golf will open up. I remember, Manveen, about 10 years ago or sometime around then, it became fashionable to say that cycling had become the new golf, that executives were now in Lycra, yeah. not in their polo <laughs> shirts on golf courses. And I kind of bought into that to a degree. You saw lots of businessmen taking to the bike. But the commercial power that golf has in the sporting world is still extraordinary. And it is still a presence in the deal making that underpins some of the biggest decisions made in the world of business. You're so right. So it's not just the sport itself. It's its pulling power for some of the biggest businessmen, some of the, the biggest and most important, richest people who are running industry this is the place they all come together. Totally. And for the people who are sort of watching the sport, who are worried that the Saudis, they're using this as sports washing, they're using it to sort of stop people when they think of Saudi Arabia, stop them thinking about human rights or about Jamal Khashoggi or, or 9-11 and instead think of golf. Is the terrible truth, you know, after the World Cup, do we now think sports washing just works? There is no question it works. It absolutely works. However much we talk about it, we'll know about it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I went to Qatar and I had the same reservations as pretty much everybody else. But when you're there, what do you do? Do you mope around for four weeks complaining that you shouldn't be there? Or do you say, I am here now and you know what? There's a football game on. I went to the England-France game just looking forward to a football game like I do you know, most of the sporting events I go to. Yeah. We turn to sport for mostly escapist reasons. We want to get something that transcends the ordinary. What we don't want is a political dilemma when we're going to a football game. So basically, PIF takes over Newcastle United. All the reservations are expressed. Many people would continue to believe it's, it's absolutely wrong. It should never have happened. But they're in the minority. And it'll be the same in golf. It's the same in pretty much every sport. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, chief sports writer at The Sunday Times, David Walsh. If you're a subscriber, you can read David's most recent Sunday Times article 
on the remarkable story of the horse trainer Roger Varian as he reflects on how the brutal murder of his older brother in 2010 shaped his life and his career in the world of racing. The producers today were Edward Drummond and Oliver Adamson. The executive producers were Kate Ford and James Shield, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find us. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. <laughs>